0: So as you can see, we had a lot of fun and activity around here all summer with our kids' camp, and um, that was just a a taste of all that went on this week. Uh, If you go online or maybe you've already seen it along the way, there are plenty of other pictures and stories and updates and celebrations. Um, Christine and her crew do an amazing job of um, welcoming kids and giving them a taste of what it means to be part of community and also what it means to make a wave in their life, to make a difference in the world. And so we just wanna celebrate that. Uh, Let's go to God in prayer at this time and celebrate all of these things. Jesus, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you that um, at this time of year, we can think about all that's taken place over the course of our summer, and we can celebrate uh, all that was good and beautiful, all that was fun and relaxing, um, fine weather and great opportunities gatherings people relationships and now lord jesus as we head into september as we anticipate school for those of us who are going to school we want to pray for all those who are involved in again preparing for um, this next year this next season we pray for teachers and administrators for staff for boards and we pray for students we pray especially to jesus for students who are heading off to a a different school a different location um, a different experience the next level give them a sense of peace as they step into that next stage. And may we all have a deep sense of trust that um, you have us in your hand and you will guide us even through the, uh, these challenging transitional kinds of times. Lord, we also pray for the ministry starting here at Mountain View. Uh, we thank you for all the announcements of so many different ministries that are uh, planning to get underway in the next month or so. And that uh, we pray especially for our kids ministry, as we uh, still seek a, a staff member to help lead that and uh, volunteers to help make that happen. And Lord, we just pray there that um, while we thank you for so many people doing so many things, we just pray that in this area, you would help us uh, figure out the best way to walk forward together and to again, continue to touch the lives of our youngest members as we just saw happen over the summer lord jesus as a community we are aware of folks who are um, who are struggling who are dealing with health issues um, we think of peter and Anne DeBrine. we pray for your blessing on them as they're both dealing with health issues at this time uh, we pray for bill hansen who is fighting complications after his surgery we pray for healing for him we give you thanks that george Myerink is home and we pray lord jesus for the uh, Bergshaw family as they continue to mourn the loss of John. We thank you for the privilege of celebrating his life, even as we continue to um, feel the empty place he has left in our community. And Lord, for many other folks who are dealing with things, um, each of us has people on our minds, in our lives, on our journey, and we pray that you would continue to bring them to mind, that we might pray for them, and that we might also uh, reach out and find ways to encourage and support and care for one another. Uh, Lord Jesus, as, we live in this world of yours, and as we've been thinking about that this morning, we are indeed deeply aware of many troubled places. We think of the drought in California, among other places, the flooding in Pakistan, the monsoon heading towards China and surrounding countries. We think of the war in the Ukraine. Lord, these um, realities are painful parts of our world. They may not affect us personally right now in this space at this time, we are part of your people, your creation, your world. And so we feel with our brothers and sisters all over the place who are dealing with these kinds of challenges. And so we pray that our hearts, our minds, our, our actions would be reshaped in accordance with our understanding that this indeed is your world. And now Lord, we pray that you'd also guide us as we open your word. We pray that you would speak to us through what is read and said. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as we conclude this service and also think about our offering for Rose City Kids, that there too, you'd make us generous for that, for um, our participation in this ministry and in ministry all over the world. Lord, may we recognize our role in your kingdom work wherever we are, wherever we go, with all that we have. This we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, the the first scripture passage I'm gonna read is from Genesis two, which is the, many people would call it the second creation account, starting at two verse four. If you wanna hear all about the first creation account, come to Evergreen Terrace at 9.30 on Tuesday morning, because I'll be doing a Bible study there. Doesn't matter what age you are, you're allowed to come over there and come join us for our Bible study Um, in the willow room. Hear the word of God first from Genesis chapter two. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food, and in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon, It winds through the entire land of Habila, where there's gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of the Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. And then from Revelation chapter 22, the end of the story goes like this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city And on each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations no longer will there be any curse the throne of god and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads there will be no more night there will not they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the lord god will give them light and they will reign forever ever this is the word of the lord oddly enough because you've moved forward i feel i need to move back again so that's (laughs) all right um so this sermon is is a bit of a rare occasion in terms of planning because normally what happens is I come up with a whole series like the one I wrote about this week, and then Ruthann fills in around that. But on rare occasions, she'll come to me and say, hey, I have a lot of really good material on this topic. Can you preach on that? And about 50% of the time, at least I say no, because I can't. But on an occasion like this, when we're talking about creation, the answer is of course, absolutely yes. But then I pick my passage and genesis 2 is weird i'm just going to say that right off the bat so i'm going to do a lot of telling you what it says in the hebrew and trying to explain it and skipping things and telling you why i'm skipping them because i have no explanation for them there's something deeply and powerfully creative about this creation story and one of the things i've been learning um, particularly as i listen to bema is that I am a Western person who grew up on this side of the world, and I think in Greek kind of terms or Western kinds of terms. And so there's always going to be things in the Bible that are going to completely baffle me. And the beauty of Scripture is that it comes from a God who's not worried about whether or not Eric can understand it or any of you can understand this fully. He wants us to understand this. I have done some amazing things that you will probably never fully fathom, Right? Jen was gonna list for us all the thousand things that she could see in creation that would make her worship, right? We'll never be done finding ways to express and understand the fact that God is far beyond us and has done more than we can even understand. So that's basically my explanation for not knowing much about what I'm talking about today. So help, next slide, please. They're not even letting me click my own slides anymore, by the way, I've been fired. Celebrating life and growth and variety and beauty and energy, right? The, if I would just say celebrating life, one, you might think this is a, a, like a funeral service or celebrating someone's life. But life is, is such a static term, right? Celebrating life is, should be an action. Celebrating life shouldn't be done sitting where we are and looking at pictures, it should be done by running around or singing and doing all the other kind of activity kinds of things. And so as we're celebrating life, let's think of this as calling us into action because that's what this story is about. Next slide, please. So many people will say there's basically two creation stories. There's Genesis 1, the poem, which you can learn about on Tuesday morning at 9.30, And then there's this story, which starts with this line, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And in the RSV, which I grew up Revised standard version, which I grew up with, the line would be, this is the generations of the heaven and the earth. And if you know anything about the book of Genesis, you know that I think there's 10, the Hebrew word is toledotes. There's 10 of these statements exactly like this. This is the generations of Terah, this is the generations of Abraham, Noah's in there, um, Ishmael's actually in there. And what it is, is, is the beginning of a new section, often starting with a genealogy, which makes sense if you're talking about Abraham, father of all nations. But we're talking here about the heavens and the earth and the generations that come from them as if the earth has children. So basically what this is teaching is the earth has Children. This is the generations of the heavens and the earth. So Genesis one gives us this beautiful picture of God speaking things into being and so on. Genesis two is the story of that creation as it produces its offspring, as it produces people, plants, animals, etc. Next slide, please. And then notice this, that work is part of the process. Most of us sort of know the story from Genesis one, then we do Genesis three, and then we do the rest of the Bible, right? God created and said, everything is good. We messed it up in Genesis three, right? And then the rest of the story is about fixing things again. The key to Genesis two is it gives us this little snapshot. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. You can tell it's a very different story from the first version for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there's no one to work the ground. So this version of creation says God had made a world, but it was a barren world. And for the world to generate, have generations, have offspring, there needed to be two things, water, and there needed to be somebody to work the land. And so creation, in this understanding, helps us understand that your work, your participation, your tilling of the soil, you're producing kale and tomatoes and so on, that is your partnership with God and creation. That's what you were meant to do, all right? So I've always found it ironic that this is Labor Day weekend and how do we celebrate labor? By not working, right? We're kind of conditioned that way. Our goal is to work so that we don't have to work anymore, right, we aim towards retirement, that's our culture. You were actually created to do things. That's why many people struggle when they retire because they're not really sure what to do with themselves because you were created to work. That doesn't mean you got to keep your career going until you're 90, it means you need to understand that there's this natural partnership between you and God and the creation where you are in tune with him, where you're working with him on taking care of how this world works, all right? Work didn't show up at the fall. Work was part of the created order of things. We're meant to be busy, engaged, and active. I'm just gonna pause and tell you how really awesome it is to have you sitting this close to me when I'm talking. All right, thank you. Next slide, please. So there's some sort of watering system. Andrew said I'm not allowed to mention his name, so I won't, but I asked him before the service. That's not even funny, is it? Come on, it's a little (laughs) bit funny when I say that. I will do that very regularly, that exact same joke. Please laugh every time, it just keeps me going. Okay, so Andrew works on irrigation systems and greenhouses. I never have, I've, unlike all the rest of you here, I believe I've only spent two days working in a greenhouse in my life. Probably shows you how much I liked it. So in order for there to be plants, you need water. I think that's probably why there's a whole business around that kind of a thing, right? And of course, there's different ways of doing this. I know about flood floors, because I know somebody who does those. There is, of course, watering by hand. That's the one that I know the best, right? There's and there's misting, right? And this word streams, the reason I left a little B in there, I am capable of erasing it, but I left in there to remind me to tell you that that word streams coming up from the earth really should be mist came up from the earth. Somehow God to get things started, made water show up on the earth like a misting system. He found a watering system that allowed everything to get wet and things to get going. It's sort of like God pressed play or turned the tap on so that this whole system would um, come into play. Next slide, please. So that's who care of the water because what we need to grow is water and someone to take care of the land. Next slide, please. Man, ground, Adam, Adama. I don't know about you, I know some Adamas, and some of them, one of them, maybe if you know an Adama, find out for me. Does anybody have a son named Adam Adama? Because that would be brilliant. Because. The word man here is actually Adam, right? So throughout the book of um, Genesis, when Adam is mentioned, they could say land every single time or ground. There's no real distinction. It's quite a guessing game actually because they'll have the exact same word and sometimes they say it's Adam because that's his name and it's probably contextual. That's how they figure that out. And other times they'll say land, it's the exact same word. So Adam was formed from the Adama which tells us that there is this deep and intimate connection between us humans and the dust from which we were made. So the first creation story, Genesis one, talks about all the animals being made. And then God says, and it's sort of an aside or an after, not an afterthought, but it's it's an extra piece. It stands out in the story. He says, now let us make man in our own image, male and female let us make them. And in that context, we realize, wow, we're above the rest of creation because we're image bearers. We have a particular role to play. In this story, it's sort of the opposite. You're going to see that Adam gets planted in the garden like he's a plant, right? So if you're dealing with your biology teacher and you're taught that human beings are um, mammals, sorry, lost the word. You can, you can run with that. You can even tell them the Bible actually teaches we're plants because we got planted in the garden. And again, there's not one or the other. It's this understanding that as image bearers, we have a particular role, and that is to carry out God's um, leadership in this world. But we're also simply part of this creation. We're part of the, the land. We grew up out of the land. We're made of the same stuff as everything around us, right? When we're buried in the ground, our stuff returns to the ground. So find me an Adam, Adama, because that's the best name you could possibly have as a human being. Next slide, please. Adam as an Eve being and not a spirit being. So I gotta tell you, I don't know that much about Hebrew and Greek, but I know this, and it's a very important thing to know, so I'm gonna teach you all yet again, that the word for spirit in Hebrew, ruach, means spirit, breath, and wind. The Hebrew or the Greek word in the New Testament for spirit is pneuma or pneuma, which means spirit, breath, and wind. And that's really cool because there's no other two words in both of those languages that both have three meanings that are exactly the same, okay? So I was all excited seeing this because it'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it, that if at creation, God breathed ruach, the spirit, into us and we became alive. It's not that word. I was so disappointed. This is just breath of life just it's pretty cool having the breath of life let's not kid ourselves but this story isn't telling us that God breathed the spirit into us this is just God breathing into us so that we are alive again the image bearer story that happens in Genesis 1 that's all about us being spirit beings us having the image of God us being um, made from our creator this story is to emphasize but remember this you're also dust You're also part of this creation. You are one with everything that's going on here. We have a responsibility because what we're taking care of is the exact world that we were made from. We are part of this machine called creation, this world. All right? And man became a living being. So I call Adam and Eve being. You're all wondering what that means, right? Very interesting that when Adam says, chapter three near the end, I think, says, Adam named his wife Eve and I think our usual translation is because she was the mother of all living, her name is life. So when he became a living being, it basically says in Hebrew, he became an Eve being, right? So if you get really excited that man was created first and man came first and so on, actually this story is telling us in a very way that you can't read in English, that man and woman were put together because if you're alive and male and alive and human, you are Adam and Eve, you are together. And again, Genesis 1 teaches the same thing. Without male and female, without all of us together, without community, you don't have the fullness of what life means. That's what the story is about. We are one with each other and with creation. We're on this game together. The individualism that we live in in this world does not come from the Bible. Me standing by myself, having my own stuff, living on my own, being self-directed and all those kinds of things. That's not the Bible. The Bible is you're part of the creation. If there's a monsoon going on in China right now, that's part of your world. That's part of your stuff, right? We're in this journey together. Next slide, please. God's garden has a man in it. Read how this reads, straightforward. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the East, in Eden, and there he put zucchini that he had formed. No, he put man that he had formed. It's like he planted us. Right, so understand you don't have to stick your feet right in the ground to illustrate this, but understand again that you are planted in the garden of God. You're part of what he wants to see grow and flourish in this world. All right, I've beaten that point to death. Next slide, please. The source of life, water again. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and from there it separated into four headwaters. And if you were listening, you heard me say four very difficult, or two difficult names, and then the Tigris and the Euphrates and this is the part I'm gonna skip because nobody has any idea where the first two rivers are, why gold is mentioned at all, or what we're supposed to do with this. The best possibility is four in Hebrew has something to do with all the edges, all north, south, east, west, all four corners, right? So these are the full watering of the earth, I think, but that's all I got on it. But remember the river flowing through it because we're gonna get back to that at the end. Next slide, please, and then this some beautiful, bountiful boundaries. The Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now remember that just one verse before this, I think, God planted all kinds of trees and all kinds of things grew up, right? So this isn't meant to tell us that God sort of this arbitrary mean guy who says you know what there's all this really awesome stuff but you can't have most of it no he says there's all this awesome stuff you're part of it get in there cultivate enjoy eat drink this is all for you but there's a boundary there's a time when it's too much right so Tuesday when I talk about Genesis one we're going to talk about Sabbath and rest because this is a very important question in Genesis one Why did God rest on the seventh day? Was he tired? No, he rested because God knows when enough is enough. He knows when it's complete and it will run and it will carry on, right? We need to learn that as people because in our world, every advertisement tells you, you don't have enough yet. You need to buy more. You need to do more. You need to experience more. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And the whole creation story is stop, rest trust there's enough just in letting it run as it is and being a part of that thing so this warning this command isn't yeah well there's things you can't have it's there is plenty for you but you need to understand your limits you need to know when to stop eating you need to know what the boundaries are and the boundaries are bountiful it's not like you don't have pleasure and opportunity and beauty but know where the boundaries are And then next slide. We are now in Revelation chapter 22, the end of the Bible. And in the NIV, which we usually use here, it says Eden restored. So they're trying to tell you that this is Eden again. This is the same garden we saw in Genesis chapter two. So then the angel of the Lord showed me, John, the river of the water of life. There's that river thing again, as clear as crystal, pure, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. So it sounds like Eden, except this is a city. It's not a garden. Now, having just moved from the city, I guess I could claim that cities are better than, you know, rural and farming. That's not the idea here, by the way. The image is this, God from creation planted us in this garden, told us to work it with him. And as it develops, that development is us participating with God in his world. And so whatever we produce, culture civilization city it's part of what God wants to do and so at the end he's going to use city he's going to use all the stuff that we've partnered with him in producing so all of your labor all of your activity all of your stuff is part of what God is doing in this world right you're not living so that you can have enough to get to the end of your life so that you can die and then get to the better place this is the better place it's just going to be made completely better when Christ comes back, remember two weeks ago, and joins us here and restores all things. Keep doing your labor because you are laboring for the Lord, with the Lord, in his kingdom, in his garden, in his city to make this thing happen. Next slide, please. And then on each side of the river stood the tree of life. So still two trees, now they're both the tree of life. An easy access one on each side of the the river so you don't have to cross it. There's no um, tree of good and evil. Um, and then this it's yielding its fruit every month so it's a regular crop there's plenty of food all the time every time you go shopping the store is full we live that way already now and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations now in my world anyways i don't know of any trees that you can eat the leaves of but here i am standing in front of lots of people who've done lots of growing so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna swear by the fact that there's no trees that you eat the leaves of but generally we eat the leaves of things that are vegetables that grow near the ground these leaves not the fruit these leaves i think of them as first of all the shade if it's scorching hot it's kind of nice to sit in the shade but they're also probably the kinds of things that get made into medicines that's the imagery and they harken back perhaps to adam and eve when they found out they were naked when they found out that they had shame, they covered themselves with leaves. And so God's covering of his people, God's healing of his people is completed when we get to that final garden in the final city at the end of this journey. And last slide, please. Gardening together, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. That's heaven. Sometimes we think of heaven as that place where we put our feet up and everything just happens for us. But since we were actually created to be in the garden, gardening as part of this creation, the image we can hang on to is God saying, what's your favorite way of being part of the action? What's your favorite thing to do? What's your sweet spot when it comes to being with people, being in this world, being active? You will serve with those gifts, with that opportunity, in his kingdom and that's the image of eternity of heaven and of the final day so folks keep going keep enjoying all that's good and true about your labor keep being aware of what's broken and what needs to be fixed and what's not working well and keep hanging on to that hope that says one day life and work will be so in tune that i'll be able to love and enjoy everything that i do and everyone with whom i do it to that end let us pray lord jesus thank you for the gift of life thank you that we can celebrate the days that we have here thank you for the ways you allow us to serve and participate the things that we can see and smell and taste and do the things we can say we pray lord jesus that you would continue to inspire us to serve in your name to be with each other to find joy in our labor And we continue to pray lord jesus for those moments when it's painful when it's hard when it feels very broken that you would help us to hang on to hope and be part of the solution that makes things better even now guide us we pray by your spirit and in your holy name we pray jesus amen